Now, there are three things that I love more than anything in the world. And they're God, business, and Black people. And when you put those three things together, like a three-quarter strand, powerful things have happened. Welcome to the Jolly Journey Podcast. The Jolly Journey Podcast is a podcast that focuses on lively and entertaining ways to encourage our journey along an often difficult but necessary process to build wealth our way. It is important to realize that legacy is a narrative that did not begin with you and will not end with you unless you disrupt the connection across generations. Everyone has a story. It's our job to connect it to a larger narrative to see the legacy that we are building. The Jolly Journey podcast seeks to find wealth in our legacy and connect it one story, one step at a time. Each podcast will take you on a journey further along the road to wealth as a legacy, inviting you to join it wherever you see fit. This episode is brought to you by Torch Enterprises, Inc. Torch stands for passing the torch from one generation to build legacy wealth via ownership and equity in our communities. For more information, go to torch-enterprises.com. Hello, welcome to podcast number two. I was raised by two parents that while very different in their relationship with time and money, were a powerful combination when it came to building for the future. The themes in my family were don't embarrass me and number two, show thyself approved. I also learned the difference between inside talk and outside talk. Inside was shared with intimate friends and family. Outside was, as my father would put it, client ready. In the world we live in today, it feels like the way I was raised has been turned inside out with people sharing what I know to be inside talk with the outside, and the outside talk going into siloed conversations with only a select few. The request to share my story comes over and over again. Everyone has a story. A story you will find in this podcast has a beginning, a middle, and an end. A narrative is different than a story in that it did not begin with you and will not end with you. And as long as you commit to ensuring the legacy continue, your narrative becomes an inherited one that you, at the end of your life, can pass the torch. Legacy narratives lead to wealth your way. If you have listened to the previous podcast or heard me speaking in a keynote, you will hear me say that there's a difference between story and narrative. In this episode, I'm going to share how this has become such an important part of the narrow road journey and the ways you can memorialize both. Your story is important and who it is most important to is you. Your story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it's critical that you understand that your beginning was not of your choice. Your beginning, how you were born, how you were conceived, what was the plan, what was the vision, 
was something that happened way before you. The reality is that when we're born, we spend 18 years incubated in what I call the family business. It is our first introduction to business, to budgeting, to income, to savings, to investment, to financial management, to making choices, to disappointment, to wants, to needs, to desires. Your story began with an observation which formed your cultural view. The way in which your parents, grandparents, even great-grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins navigated life while you were a child and the responsibility for making the ultimate decision was not yours is the beginning of your story. But after the 18 years, you were emancipated and the responsibility for making the decisions for where you were to go beyond where your family business could take you, became ultimately your own. I call this the exodus period, where you are leaving one comfortable, safe space and moving into a financial wilderness that you are charged with navigating. Now, the journey for many stops there. And if we listen to people's stories to start to have circular patterns. I know many of us have friends where if we talk to them long enough, they'll go to the same circular story. And it goes over and over again. And the degree to which you love them is the degree to which you listen. My grandmother, when she, towards the end of her life, got early stage dementia, would repeat the same stories over and over again. Now, for people who didn't know her, they would think it was the same story. But for her granddaughter, me, it wasn't the same story. She was giving me different layers and she was going deeper and deeper and deeper into the aspects of her story. Your story along the narrow road has five aspects. The first aspect is your vision. If I listen to someone's story long enough, I can determine exactly how far down the road to wealth they are looking, whether or not they're looking at the immediate, when they talk all about what things cost and the income that they're earning, whether they're talking about the ongoing, their lifestyle and their relationships and the disappointments and the happiness factors, whether their vision is near term when they talk about specific goals and objectives and what it's going to take to get there, or whether they're looking far, far down the road when they start to talk about their legacy, their children, their grandchildren, and what they hope will happen when they are no longer here. When I listen to stories long enough, the aspects become clear. That first aspect is their vision. The second aspect is their confidence, how confident they are about the vision that they share. There are four levels of confidence along the narrow road, and that's what I listen for, because I want to understand actually how somebody is going to get somewhere. Now, I'm a strategist, and a strategist connects the what to the how. So I've got to listen for the how and listen for how confident one is 
about the strategy they desire to execute. So for some, when I listen to their story, it's all about them. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. For some, it's all about the collective. Well, my friends, we're going to do this, or my friends, you know, we're going to go experience this, or we're going to visit this, or I heard from this friend, and so therefore, this is what I'm going to build. But it's oftentimes an exchange and a relationship that influences the next step. For some, it's about, listen, I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to go to this class. I'm going to get this certification. I'm going to get to a level of confidence based on knowledge that is proven. And then I'm going to grow. And because of my growth, I'm going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And for some, it's just about an observation. I've observed that people who do X also do Y. And so I want to do X, so I'm going to do Y. And so when I listen to people's thought processes and their level of confidence about their story, it tells me how far down the road they are willing to learn how to go. The reality of the difference between story and narrative is that your story is an ongoing process. Your narrative is something you pick up from one generation and carry it till it's time to transfer it to the next. The third aspect of story, if I listen long enough, I start to hear about their core strengths. What are they really, really good at? Now, I'm really good at communicating and connecting with people. The quickest way for me to earn compensation is to be paid to speak or guide or advise. And so when I hear in stories, when they talk about their job and what they do well and what they do best, I start to hear whether it's their hands, whether it's their mouth, whether it's their eyes or their mind that they deem as the most vital component to getting things done. The fourth aspect of story that I listen for is their native tongue. What I've learned after listening to thousands of people tell me their story about their relationship with money, faith, finance, entrepreneurship, and just about everything in between is that we all don't communicate the same way which is often why a lack of communication is so disruptive. There are various different languages for different industries, different languages for different outcomes, different classes in terms of upper middle class, lower middle class, or middle class. And language is really a relationship, a system, or a structure. So when I listen to people, I listen for what their true speaker is within them. What language are they using? Some people's language is where they're stuck in the decisions that they know they need to make, but they don't know how to make them. It's when they get confused. It's when they start to stop. Some people's language is with their mouth, but their emotions influence who they talk to, how much they share, and how they share it. Some people's language is all about seeing that seeing really is believing. So they can say one thing, but you need to look at them to see how they're saying it, to see what they really are feeling. And then lastly, 
Some people's actions speak louder than their words. And so it's one thing to hear them, but it's another thing to ask gently. And how much of that have you done? Stories reveal a lot about us, about our past, our present, and our desires for the future. But it is the narrative that is equally important. And once you have defined your narrative, it connects the three generations that it requires to build legacy wealth. It's really powerful when someone is aware of their narrative. And I became aware of my narrative by spending so much time with my grandmothers, by going down to the family farm with my father and my mother and my brother, by asking the hard questions of my grandparents and my great-grandparents. Can you imagine talking about sex with your great-grandmother or your grandmothers? I did. And I started to unravel the realities of intimacy and the narrative of intimacy that rolls through my family. When you own your narrative outside of your story, it gives you a bigger picture of your life. It helps you put things in proper perspective. I unfortunately have had a few cousins commit suicide. And while I sit in their funerals and listen to their eulogies and was asked to eulogize one of them, I realized that many of the reasons why these cousins unfortunately chose to end their life were for reasons that my elders survived through and knew that they had to survive through them. So I often ask myself, if we were better connected, if we were closer, if the elders could weigh into the young people and those in the middle, like myself, could build a bridge between the past and the future. Would what seems like the end of your story just be the beginning of an inflection point that armed with wisdom and knowledge from those who came before you could move from being an impossible to more than possible, to actually done? When I think about the difference between story and narrative, I see a square peg in a round hole. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Everyone is born, they live, and they die. A narrative is different in that you are born knowing that you have received an inheritance. For some of us, it is financial. For most of us, it is the wisdom, the traditions, the models of what to do and not to do. It is the instruction, the guidance, the ability to observe frustrations, the ability to observe very high highs and very low lows. When you are locked in your story, that circular pattern, you may be led to think that it's all up to you, that you are the first, that it's never been done before. But when you connect to your narrative and you pick up a torch and you shine light onto the dark places that you've decided to navigate through your exodus through the financial wilderness, 
that you decide to shine a light on how you have decided to take possession of the promise, however you define it. And then at the end of your life, your legacy is a model that will influence other people's narratives and other people's stories. The ability to live a life this way grounds you and often does not limit your ability to imagine the impossible as possible. It also helps you to keep things in perspective, despite what social media might say, despite what your balance sheet might portray, despite what you hear at work. When I launched my company, I tried to do a very big thing. I tried to acquire a very large company. And, you know, a lot of people thought I was crazy. However, could you possibly do that? Like, that's not possible. And I've never been one to let other people's perspective of what I do stop what I do. I listen to it because I'm sure that there is some value in it. But what other people have decided what is possible for me and my narrative don't know my narrative. They may be looking at my story. And when I went to my grandmother and shared with her what I wanted to do, and it's so interesting as I think about it, I codenamed this acquisition as Project Bessie. My one grandmother is Bessie Pearl Horn. My other grandmother is Mildred Lorraine Morgan Jolly. I didn't go to Bessie. I named the project after Bessie. I went to Mildred. I had a hard grandma and a soft grandma. And I went to the hard grandma, the one that wasn't afraid to mince her words and wasn't afraid to hurt my feelings. And so I shared with her that I really believed that I could acquire this multi-billion dollar company. And I waited and I braced myself for her to agree with what other people had agreed or had said. And it was then my narrative that I inherited from the Jolly Morgan family came into view. She said, I'm not surprised. She says, legend has it that I am the granddaughter of a very wealthy person in North Carolina. My father would play with billionaires because this wealthy family would let him spend some time with them. You see, my great-grandfather was the, his story began with a connection between a very wealthy heiress and a Portuguese slave hand. And upon the wealthy heiress getting pregnant, she was sent to live with her grandparents. And while she raised my great-grandfather, he went to play with the maid's daughter. And he soon fell in love with the maid's daughter, who was a black woman. He went on to marry the maid's daughter and had five children. The oldest daughter was my grandmother. Now, his mother moved on to New York and married a white man and had a whole other family. But there were times when the family would come together, when my great-grandfather's story 
would reunite with its origin. And it was there when he played on the floor with the billionaires, the Baileys, the Banks, the Biddles, the Chases. And then towards the end of his story, he felt that he had been gypped out of his inheritance. He felt that he deserved his rightful place alongside the billionaires. And so here I am, three generations later, talking to his daughter, saying that I feel that I am called to acquire a multi-billion dollar company. And so with that, her story, my narrative, she proceeds to tell me I'm not surprised. My father would tell me that just because he didn't receive his inheritance did not mean that I wouldn't receive it or my children or my children's children wouldn't receive it. I believe that if you believe that you can do this, then do it. It is part of your inheritance. Who knew that a conversation with a grandmother would give me the confidence to pursue it? Now, it's obvious that I was not successful, but the confidence that I went in pursuit of it was because of my narrative, my birthright, my promise. And I remember when I wasn't successful, I was so scared. And my dear mentor, Stanley Tucker, he came all the way up to New York and he was banging on my door. And I felt that I had failed him and everyone else when I wasn't successful. And he said, Pamela, everyone knew you wouldn't succeed. But who do you know is trying to do such a large goal? The fact that you tried makes us realize that one day it will be possible. I sit here today and part of my narrative is that the passing of my torch is encouraging my mentees from Hampton and Wharton to pursue big, audacious goals and to believe that they can do it because each generation must try bigger and better, larger and more accomplishments so that progress remains consistent. My prayer for you is that you look at your story in the light of your narrative, that you spend the time to connect the dots between your past, your present, and your future. Because I can promise you with utmost certainty that the way forward is really back through. There are stores of treasure in your inherited business model. And there are opportunities for you in the midst of your story to exit the financial wilderness of a whole bunch of options to make specific choices that are destined for you. I am grateful that along my jolly journey, I have made such choices. I don't regret attempting to do big, audacious things. I'm actually grateful that I tried them And I'm even grateful that I failed in many of them because the wisdom that I have for this rising generation is unique to not just my story, but also my narrative. Wide is the gate that leads to life, but narrow is the road that leads to wealth. Along my jolly journey, I pursue the road narrowed by our choices that leads to wealth. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to talking to you next time. God bless you.